In the marketing communications landscape, commercial sponsorships are often viewed as somewhere between invaluable marketing tools and a chairman's whim. Fortunately, this is beginning to change, with sponsorships maturing from mere bit players to playing genuine and major roles in delivering commercial returns and benefits. But how do we know when it's done correctly and efficiently? Salesandmedia.com decided to ask some experts and try and find out what really makes sponsorships commercial. Hi, this is Paul Gardner. Today I'm talking to Brad Fanning, who's the Strategic Partnerships Manager for BetEasy. Hi, Brad. Hey, Paul. Uh, what, what does the Strategic Partnerships Manager for a betting firm do? Well, Paul, uh, it was a few years back uh, when, when BetEasy was started with, with Matthew Tripp. Matt brought me on board to try and establish some relationships across all of our non-commercial partners that we, that we will deal with. And particularly, I got given the Northern Territory uh, where, where we were licensed and regulated at the time to be you know, an area of interest and where I concentrated most of my effort at. So uh, I sort of deal with a lot of the stuff that are non-commercial uh, core partnerships for our, for our firm. Brad, you've had a few name changes. I mean, you've been Sporting Bet and you've been Crown Bet and you've been Bet Easy. I mean, how, how does that affect the, the marketing? I mean, obviously, branding is such an important part. Is it, is it go back and start again at the beginning, so snakes and ladders, or can you keep building on what was already there? Yeah, I think the marketing team and the executive have done an enormous job with us over the time. And as you know, some of the uh, name changes have been because uh, Matthew and the Trip Group have, have, have sold businesses and then acquired others, so some were forced upon us. Others have been with partnerships, uh, for Crown Resorts, for example, where we established their uh, online you know, wagering brand. So when Crown divested out of us that they were looking for other uh, other interests and concentrating on their land-based businesses, uh, that, that name change was, was forced upon us. So you, you have a patchwork of, uh, of different strategies that can get you through. But the brand awareness, especially uh, in current times, is a huge component. You try to bring it along with everyone for the ride and the executive and Matt Tripp and now Andrew Menz have done an enormous job with that uh, across the board. I'd imagine that over the journey to over the three different names and even now today you see it that there's been a big change in the mix between racing and non-racing sports. I mean, how has the, has the recent COVID-9 affected your revenue number? It's been a, it's been a significant um, you know, challenge and I suppose the adaptability of the business and, the, and the, uh, how, how agile we are in the digital space. In some ways, you end up being uh, a bit protected in that that we do exist online only, whereas other businesses in our space have retail presences. We were lucky in that respect. But obviously, with the world sport starting to, uh, and then Australian sports starting to get uh, decimated by, you know, serious government action, uh, you then start to lose uh, product to bet on. The racing industry, in particular, Racing Victoria and Racing New South Wales, have done an enormous job to keep the show on. And in that respect, it's possibly a little bit back to the old. Racing uh, has become a huge part of uh, of our – it was always a huge part. It's even more so now can, can help us get through. I'm in my, I think, become third or fourth week of being out of the office now and which is not unusual for me I, I do a lot of the time on the road but across the across the board for to you know to pick up you know, 450 plus staff and within sort of 
three to five days, have them all completely working digitally and remotely has been a, been a credit to, to those guys. I, if you could buy shares in a business, you'd be buying shares in Zoom right now. <laughs> I'd imagine it's going to go through the roof. Absolutely. You, prior to COVID-19, what yep. percentage would be racing? What percentage would be other sports? Yeah, I think racing, we're predominantly, you know, racing still drives wagering. I think, you know, the growth of sports have been have been specific over a long time and, and they've sort of eaten into racing's dominance. But across the board now, with, with all, the, all the sports showing down, sort of like it is a bit of a time warp and we are back to uh, back to being, you know, it's, it's in racing we trust and racing we hold. So that's where it's been so important that the, the um, racing is. And racing employees, you know, there's 50,000, you know, staff. It's not just in our space being, you know, the wagering providers, but, you know, from stable tra- hands to truck drivers to barrier attendants to track work jockeys to, um, you know, race callers and, you know, production and, and across the board. Racing has done really well to keep going, although without crowds, but it's, uh, you know, they've done themselves very proud. So, yeah, predominantly, uh, we, you know, racing's still the biggest biggest component. But now racing's, you know, unless you're wanting to bet on uh, online video games or um, or uh, you know, a little bit of uh, very obscure sport, table tennis and a few other ones that are just surviving, uh, you know, it's pretty much all racing. So I generally work in that component of the business. I'm more in relationships with our non-commercial partners, providing outcomes and, and, you know, and, and going that way. So do you report into a marketing function, Brad, or is it your own separate? Yeah, it's just, yeah it's just changed. So for uh, I'm sort of coming up to my sixth year or seventh year, I think, now. And for the first six or five and a half years of those, I was um, at my own silo within the marketing department reporting straight to the CMO, but probably off the back of a, a strong relationship with our, with our CEO and, and, and often – with our head of legal or head of commercial dealing with those guys in relation to some specific aspects of when we when we're looking to do some things, uh, with our um, yeah, with our we're licensed and regulated out of the Northern Territory, so you know, they were the functions that I were, was, was predominantly working. I worked okay, uh, from time to time with stakeholder groups to try and get some win-win outcomes. But then just recently, we formed uh, since uh, Matt Trippers. Uh, moved across to a president's role, which is a, it's an interesting role. <laughs> Sadly, not president of the United States. No, exactly. So um, uh, the Stars Group uh, having that uh, Canadian and um, a sort of global structure that they wanted to, uh, as Matt relinquished the, uh, he's uh, been the CEO. He's moved across to being a, uh, a president as as his uh, earnout continues, and we've started a, uh, a department of the CEO. So uh, myself and a few of the corporate affairs guys sitting, sitting in that space. Brad, if you just to talk on the market before we get to sponsors in general, I mean, for sure, there's there's hardly there's hardly a, a ad break go by, especially around sports or where there's not an, an ad for a sporting company. I mean, obviously, marketing is a critical piece. Is it, is it mainly just in terms of recruiting new people or reinforcing or encouraging turnover? What's what's the basic role of a, for marketing a sporting company? Yeah, I think I think brand awareness is is, is certainly a, a very big one. There was a time where other players in the market saturated it, and unfortunately, you know, it can can end up in a stage where um, you know, you know the uh, 
they're, they're pushed to certain time frames and uh, you know the perceptions of them got you know went went too far I think so from this is only from our point of view and I haven't dealt in that space it's more a personal opinion than, than anything else you've got to you've got to try and strike the right balance but then uh, when others are competing in that space you've got to then you know, make sure that you can it's going to be very interesting now Paul how this all breaks down when we do come out of the current you know, the current uh, the current times but yeah, as I say, my space has been more dealing with some of the more 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 fun elements of the business, where uh, I can uh, you know deal, deal with some uh, yeah some of the great wares and, and likes of the NT. So let, let's talk about some of the sponsorships you have. What, what are the, what are the, the obviously Northern Territory? What are the main sponsorships? There's obviously they sponsor race various races or race courses. It's broken down that the traditionally um, the majority of um, the corporate. Uh, bookmakers are uh, in the uh, license regulated out of the Northern Territory. So I think that's very crucial to then put a spotlight. The Northern Territory, in my opinion, you know, is a gold standard of, um, of regulatory and, and online wagering. It's not the uh, – you know, there is a misconception that there is a tax advantage. There certainly has been a, a competitively taxed, but now with the point of consumption tax coming across Australia, our, our space has been uh, – we, we've taken hits like everyone else. But the stuff that I do is probably to highlight the Northern Territory. And we picked up the uh, the sponsoring for the the naming rights of the V8 supercar race. So for four, for three seasons, that was the uh, Crown Bet Darwin Triple Crown. So they run a race on the on the Saturday for points uh, in the supercar, uh, you know, the highest category of supercar, and then uh, V8 supercars, and then, they have a shootout on the on the Sunday, and then they have another race, a longer race on the Sunday. And uh, no one had ever won the uh, the Triple Crown until yeah, until Scott McLaughlin got that done. So um, from that point of view, that's one of the biggest drivers in the Darwin tourism, and that's why I work very close with Northern Territory Tourism and Northern Territory Major Events and Tim Watson and Hopper. The Darwin car, race carnival, so the horse racing carnival in Darwin. And the V8 supercars would be the two biggest events in Darwin uh, go around every year. So for us to have uh, secure one of those uh, longer-term uh, arrangements has been great for us and, and great for the NT. And, and then, also, you also sponsored the Million Dollar Fish as well. Yeah, so that's probably been my baby from, from the start. I was probably seven years ago. I didn't, I didn't know much about Lats Calcara for the Hydroline Hermaphrodite, which is actually Maramundi, a patagonistic species, but... We, um, that sounds sexy when you say barramundi just quietly. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, barramundi. So, um, yeah, the, the great, the great um, sporting fish uh, from the NT. We uh, were approached many years ago, and there were some thoughts by some, some very um, senior NT businessmen, NT government, to, to try and have a golden ticket type competition. And that was given to me, and I possibly worked on that for. Six to eight months where the our business pretty much just put me aside to work on a concept and design. I worked very closely with Adam Coward, a fantastic marketer who was the uh, Chief Marketing Officer of Tourism Northern Territory. He's ended up at U-Foods and he's a very dynamic operator. Him and I, with a couple of others, Matt Hayden, the Australian cricketer, became our ambassador for it as well. I pretty much devised the, uh, you know, the, the what has become Australia's greatest fishing competition and Probably in the Northern Territory, it's 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 a major event, and so we gave it a go for one year, and and that story has been quite phenomenal. It's uh, the success of Million Dollar Fish has been oh, freight train like, and 
and, and we're, only, we're only growing it. We've just finished our fifth season as of 11.59 on the, on the 31st of March, and we've given away oh, close to $400,000. And Wow. Yeah, yeah we've, we've ended up probably providing – we've had Shimano, we've had Qantas, uh, the Darwin Casino sponsoring us now. We've had some huge national brands. And the fishing space across the board is probably one that uh, TIO Insurance, Club Marine, Anaconda, we've also had BCF in the past. Great Northern Brewery, then we've had we've had sort of the, the two major brewing brands fight each other to, uh, to to get involved. I think the NT is iconic for fishing, and the um, what the numbers and the stuff we've done around million dollar fish has been yeah has been fantastic. And and for people listening who love fishing, um, the million dollar fish is still not being caught. That's correct. So yeah, as as we as I can tell you, as of today, we redid our deal a while back and. We turned all the uh, seasons one to season three million dollar numbers back on. Okay. So wow. there's there's six current fish around the Northern Territory with a red tag um, in their dorsal fin. The competition starts on the first of October and runs through to the thirty first of March. But we we continue the million dollar numbers on through the whole year. So uh, although the NT is currently shut at the moment, there's probably not getting much fishing effort. Uh, if someone catches one of those, uh, they're going to make themselves, uh, you know, they're going to have, a, they're going to have a, an amazing day. With that, we also then every season add another hundred ten thousand dollar tags. So, so two red tag prizes. If you picked up a red tag and it's within the season, you've either won ten grand, or you've won or you've won a million. And then in the post season, in the in the off season, we split the season into in six months lots. So it's. Um, yeah. In the postseason, uh, if you catch one of the six numbers, uh, you, you've won a million dollars. And we've just let the guys know that um, season five, which so is S5 MDF 5501, was one unique tag for season, for season five. That find that tag somewhere around the NT waterways, you, you'll catch a million. I had an interesting story from I met a guy who's worked with us the whole time, Bill Sauner. He's genuinely the Don Bradman of, of fish tagging data science. And he reported a recapture to me, and he had a fish that was released at Borrelula and tagged in a, um, in a in a program that was designed to uh, check the health of the Macarthur River at Borrelula. He's had a fish caught, um, which has been out out uh, out you know for ten years, uh, and it was caught clo- um, on the Queensland side of the border. So that fish had gone, yeah, uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kilometres and then was re-caught just recently. So the million-dollar numbers, we often, I've had two or three fish this year from season one. I think the longest that I can recall off the top of my head was a fish that was in the water for 1,200 days. Are you insured? No, we can't sure it. No, so we tried for – Matt so Stewart – It's all, all cash that disappears. It's all cash that sits on the, on the Bet Easy balance sheet and used to sit and on the half, crown. Half, and half a million dollars has gone off already. Exactly right. Yeah, that's yeah, that close to half a million dollars, and we've also tipped a lot, lot of stuff into um, the health of the fishery, and it's been a, it's been a phenomenal success. We've had, I think, year two, we might have had forty five thousand registrants all over eighteen, free to register, over a hundred thousand dollars worth of prizes. We've had Jayco involved. All the prizes just are just for for registering, and then Tourism Northern Territory get that data and can send some EDMs and send some holiday offerings to the to the NT and show show the people that are interested in fishing and camping in the outdoors. Brad, it strikes me it doesn't have much to do with betting. So there's obviously in some of the sponsorships you're choosing, especially around Northern Territory, there's a strong community 
service and spirit about it. It's, is that is that a fair way how you evaluate the, the sponsorships that come across your desk? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you know, I'm sort of lucky that, that mine can sometimes end up being the, the commercial aspects, one aspect that the, you know, that the executive and that, that my boss and others have to, to tick off from. But the community access and to highlight the Northern Territory where we're licensed and regulated from is also as equal part to that. So uh, that's certainly something we've, we've you know, me and our fishers had, oh, I think last year, uh, a couple of years ago, you know, over $25 million worth of advertised space rate. We've had the ABC News cover it on their national um, news every year. We've had, you know, Sunrise Today Show and those sorts of things. Carl Stefanovic did a big thing when uh, today was shooting out of uh, the NT, uh, the wharf down there at the waterfront. So, yeah, it's been, that's, been ama- that's been amazing. But I think to highlight the territory, it sort of gives me a unique perspective. And then you can then sort of add some win-wins. And the, uh, you, you, know, you don't necessarily have to see that through the lens of, you know, what's just in it for us. It's what's probably in it for our industry and what's in it for, uh, you know, the broader Northern Territory community. So how do you how do you measure ROI then? So when when it comes each year, obviously we're going to get get out of this uh, coronavirus disaster eventually. We're going to sit down and go, okay, now if we haven't got the revenues there, we should be cutting costs. Let's look at sponsorship. Brad, tell me tell me is is it worth it or not to continue on? I mean, how, how do you measure ROI and something like that? Yeah, I think you know you've got to use a lot of different metrics to um, you know, to, to get that. It will be an interesting landscape that we're going to get to post Corona. I think you know some of my projects will, will won't get up, others will. You know, I can surely say that the Mindol fish has been a huge economic driver to the NT, so that's one that I'll be very confident. You know, we're, we're committed to that. You know, long, long term. Yeah, to, to measure ROI, you've got to look at a lot of a lot of different uh, brand awareness. You know, within the Northern Territory, and then also to have those relationships that when you do want to look at other things. You can then um, you know, you know, call on some of those relationships, and and often, you know, as you know in business as well, Paul, that you, you work with people because you want to work with people, and you know, sometimes that that can then be well, you know, we, we give up on this one, and, and and we get something back on the other one, and through the through those sorts of projects, we've ended up picking up Carbine Club sponsorships out of the NT, Starball for the uh, Starlight Foundation, which has been a, been a really uh, you, you look at. Look at sick kids in the star ball, and you, you know, and you've got a couple of tables there, and you know, it, it, it certainly puts a few things into perspective. And the territory it hasn't got; it's got uh, you know, population issues. Um, so from that point of view, you, know, you can you can get around it, but they, they do need as much help as they can. And I think I think that's why they've they've done what they have with the borders um, coronavirus you know time. But their their time will come again; they'll open up, and it's one of the most beautiful parts of the world, that's for sure. So when you look at the um, other your competitors, for instance, you've got you know Ladbrokes Park and various other yep. naming races, and, and you guys are going the other way, which is more community, which is quite interesting sponsorships. I think you've got to have a balance of that. I think yeah, Ed Owens and and uh, our executive have done a, have done a good job. You know, I'm probably um, fortunate that I, I'm into my space and others into theirs, and you know we have a different lens that we look through. You know, at, at for AFL sponsorship or or, or name our sponsorships of, um, of horse racing tracks or uh, all those things. So you've got to, you can't just put all your eggs in one basket in relation to uh, 
you know, one, one, one path. I think you've got to try to cover and be as broad as you possibly can. And then look to then get, you know, some win-wins for both, for both parties. And if you're doing that, you know, you're seeing yourself up to be a bit more diverse and, and more competitive and more agile. I'd imagine that apart from the Northern Territory tourism, you'd probably be the biggest sponsor in the Northern Territory, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, we'd certainly be one of them. I think there are some very big, iconic brands. The NT, often they punch a lot uh, above their weight in certain aspects. There's some phenomenal business stories away from our industry up there, the Paspali family and Paspali Pearls head offices yeah, there. Sure, sure. Yeah. And then, um, you know, they've also done some great stuff with uh, – Hermes and the, the crocodile skins that Mick Burns has been doing some, you know, some big mining interests and what have you. But typical, you know, the Territorians are probably very similar to what Australians sort of see themselves that, you know, on a world stage, as you, you've operated you know, at length, Paul, that Australians can do a lot of great things and they just probably don't then go and beat their chest as hard about it, whereas um, Territorians is probably that you know, it, that more similar to Australia. They can they can do some massive things, but uh, they're powerful businesses and some great businesses. And you know, they just they've had they've done it tough as well through a uh, through the impex boom and then you know the post impex cycle with the gas that was a, you know, a phenomenal project. But I've certainly met and and got to fall in love with the territory and uh, you know it's something very close to me. Whether it would whether, you know, the fact that we're licensed and regulated there is is just a bonus you know, for me. Brad, it's been a fascinating time to talk to you. Thanks for making the time. And now before I go and uh, get all my rods ready for when they reopen the Northern Territory and I go, I go fishing for a million dollar fish, yeah. I mean, is, is there anything that you have on your plate right now that you'd look at and say, this is, this is the kind of sponsorship I'd love to be doing, but I just we can't do it at this particular point in time? Oh, I think collectively across the business, that's going to, you know, when we, you know, we need to sort of see how long this, this works, this goes for, and then what the new what the new world order looks post post these events. I think it's a matter of reassessing it all, but there's nothing that's specifically in mind. I'm sure across the, you know, the broader aspects of the business, there'll be a lot of decisions made, but if everyone works together and we can get through this pretty quickly, it's certainly an interesting time and there'll be a lot smarter people uh, writing uh, many books. And this will be studied for 10, 20, you know, if not 50 and 100 years down the track of how, how this uh, how we got through this crisis. And I think if everyone does it together, we're, we can reset the place and end up with a bit of a better world. I think it'll take us that long to pay it off too. So <laughs> Brad Fanning, who's the Strategic Partnerships Manager for Bet Easy. Thanks for your time, Brad. Good on you, Paul. Mm-hmm.